Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Oh, man. So special treat, special surprise. You ever just have like a morning and then it's like you got to do your podcast and be chipper. I try to bring a healthy dose of honesty and reality while still, you know, being in a good mood. And, you know, this is this is a performance. People are in their cars. They're at work. They want to feel good. But man, isn't it crazy how like the smallest thing, like a misscheduled thing or an item delivered wrong can really just jack up your day. I mean, nothing compared to being displaced from your home because of an invading country. But it is the little things that trip you up sometimes. Anyway, none of those have to do with the fact that my mom is here. Hello. My mom is here. And Emily is also with us because I sprung this on her at the last moment. We're working it out. We're working it out. But also my mom is here because my mother had some very strong feelings about last week's episode. Now, I had a whole other monologue prepared for the beginning of this, but my mom, do you want to go ahead and chime in? Because I agree with you. I just don't know. Sometimes I get nervous about really putting in my two cents uh, for certain things because this is not um, like a sensationalist podcast. This isn't one of these podcasts where like three dudes just get together and they talk about the time like an underage hooker jerked them off, but it was hilarious. Like, it's a lower lift. I try to be honest, but I also am keenly aware of as a woman in comedy, I am scrutinized heavier than other people. And especially as a woman, you know, if you say something wrong, people will, a wave of cancellation will come toward you. So I try to always, if I'm going to make a statement, I try to have it be something that I'm like, no, I will argue this forever. So when the woman wrote in about the her 14-year-old, I guess I was... Her 14-year-old Coming from a place what? of not really... No, for, I'm sorry. The last episode. Why don't you tell us the question from the last episode? Uh, a mother wrote in because her 14-year-old son was looking at porn on his phone and she was trying to figure out how to mitigate that, if she should address it with him, how not to embarrass him. And so I'm coming from the place of I don't have a 14-year-old son um, and I don't have a husband who like looks at a ton of porn and or any porn. Um, and I have a certain way that I view it, you know, not wanting to tread on what people like, but the kid's 14. So my mom had some thoughts and I think that they warrant being voiced. Thank you. I happened to listen to it and I was thinking, oh my God, you don't realize that 14-year-old boys and 14-year-old girls for that matter, their brains are very, very impressionable. And that is why you- Not even things, formed yet fully. Not Exactly. And so- you you don't realize it, but boys and girls who do certain things that take them away from what is real, absolves them from interacting in reality. That goes for porn, that goes for alcohol, and that goes for video games where they don't have to interact with the human being. And so when you watch porn, you don't have to look at a girl. You don't have to read her facial expressions. All you're doing is sitting all by yourself in your room, looking at women who don't look like the girl next door, 
or the girl when you grow up to go into Actually, college. I think that is a porn category. Girl next but the door. point is she doesn't because door. she either has implants or she's very nubile looking or she's shaven or she's bleached her rear end or whatever it is they do in porn. Nobody in real life is like that. So it hits a piece of the brain that goes, this is cool. He never has to have rejection. He never has to make her feel okay. So the whole thing is unreal. Just like alcohol puts you in a different state. This is where all those things start. And not that I want to say, oh, this kid's going to shoot up a, 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 a high school when he's 18. But the reality is a failure to learn how to interact with other human beings creates a huge loss in your body. So when he first asks a girl out and she says no, yeah. he gets aggravated because the porn girl never said no. And then that can get bigger and bigger. So the sooner, mom, whoever you are, if you're listening to this, get the phone, take it away. Because he may be on the phone, but he's watching the videos. They're not just talking dirty to him. And even then, a girl doesn't talk dirty to him. So reality will never match the state in his brain that he is creating all by himself in his room under the sheets or against the, again, a video game or alcohol. It takes you away from the reality and the right. practice that you need at that time of your life. Get the phone out of his hands and just take it away. It's and not only when you're, because he'll sneak it in when you're not looking at it another right. time. Just and get rid of it. It's an addiction waiting to happen if it hasn't already happened. I think these are like supercharged things. This isn't like, oh, you stole your dad's Playboys. Like that's super normal to want to like look at a naked woman, you know, um, or a naked dude, whatever. But like these are supercharged, like things that are designed for this vanishing caloric density of like, oh, and I need more, I need more. And when you talk about, and this isn't about your son. We're not saying your kid is bad. We're not saying, you know, people will take things so personally. Well, no, I'm just saying like, um, this thing where men don't learn how to properly interact with women. And I say this actually in my last comedy special about men who feel rejected. So they go do a mass shooting. Is that all men that are rejected? No. But the kid that shot up University of Santa Barbara had that whole manifesto about women don't pay attention to him. Uh, there was a shooting in Montreal like years ago and it was all at women and it was a guy that felt rejected. And even removing the mass shooter aspect of it, this could even be like a guy that was the quarterback in high school and girls always liked him and then he gets in real world and, and women don't like him. And all of a sudden, women are bitches. Women are awful. You see this kernel with so many men online and in a lot of like podcast extended universes and with people like Andrew Tate and like all of these types of men that deep down really hate women. And so they masquerade it whether it's, you know, with like, I'm just telling the truth. Oh, my First Amendment rights or uh, sex trafficking, which I think he was recently uh, accused of. Um, all of these ways that come out as violence toward women and you see it and I see it all the time. There is a, not going to say conservative, but I will say this sort of right wing, independent leaning, not Republican, because you can love a tax cut and still be a decent person. I mean, who doesn't love a tax cut? You see this playbook with a lot of men who consume the same types of media and they say the same things to women. I'm one of them. And I noticed this. Did we talk about Halle Berry last week? No. Did we talk no, about this? I don't remember hearing that. Halle Berry had a picture she posted. This was like on some like just random blog that I read. And she, did we talk about this? No, I, I just- said, She posted on she's Twitter. One of them- She's one of the most beautiful women like ever. She's known for being beautiful, having an incredible body. And I think she's 50. So she posts a picture. It is not racy. It's her like on a balcony, flowers covering her. And she was like, I do what I want. Anytime you engage with social media, you are asking for attention. That is what the nature of posting is, whether you want to admit it or not. And I think that that's fine. And the amount of comments, they all, it's like a template. It's like, here, here we go again. Another ex, uh, insert age woman desperate for attention post-baby, post-menopause. I got them. If I post a picture, oh, put your clothes back on, another woman. So there's this anger. If they're not the ones in charge of you taking off your clothes, there's an anger. Oh, you've had a baby, you shouldn't do it. Oh, you're older, you shouldn't do it. And they all say the same thing. And then like, I'll get like, I remember when you used to be funny. It's like, no, you don't because you were never a fan. They say the same things. That's how you can tell a brainwashed incel from like a normal functioning human. It's almost like a disease 
because they all sound the same. And so there's an anger toward any freedom a woman shows, any freedom a woman exhibits. And the kernel of that is, I'm not in control of what you're doing. Therefore, I'm going to make you feel bad for it. And these men and these people are so steadfast in their opinions and their anger. And it's actually incredibly scary because guys like this say that they're open-minded, but they're not. You're brainwashed. You found an ideology or a way of thinking that clicked with you. And now that's the way you think, but you're not open-minded. And so I think there's nothing I can do to fix that, but you can be alert in terms of combating that. And just knowing that these men don't actually think for themselves and their podcast gods that they rely on and their YouTube shows that they rely on to get this like bullshit uh, agenda. So that's it. And before my mom told me that she had a thought about the 14-year-old boy, I had been thinking about that playbook that these guys pull from to upset women. And uh, I hate to say it, unfortunately, what is not as popular is me because I was thinking recently about like, where do I fall in in this podcast world? This isn't a sensationalist podcast. I'm not sitting here and there's nothing wrong with podcasts that do that talking about sex or boys and women and dating and those things are great and they're super fun. But I'm just, I don't know. Sometimes I go on podcasts of my friends and I know that they, you know, it's supposed to be this like, I took mushrooms and then I fucked this dude and I'm and I did all these crazy things. I'm just at a different place. I don't know if the product that I put out is ever going to be able to compete in this podcast world of like commodifying, like low-key hating women. But uh, this is the podcast. And I know that I have a beautiful fan base who's here to listen to it. So I feel okay with that. I feel okay. I feel good about this product. So welcome to Ask Eliza Anything. We're giving you well-meaning, deep opinions. Sometimes there's a dick joke. We say diarrhea a lot more than the average bird. And I'm okay with that. Uh, this podcast is a place for for all the people, but uh, you're not going to get any human traffickers here. Sorry oh. to say it. <laughs> That's too bad. Wait, <laughs> it's too bad, folks. Let's kick it into high gear. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It happened to me. I didn't think it would, but it happened to me. I had a nasty bout of postpartum depression. Now, there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about what you're dealing with, and there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about it with someone. I definitely saw a therapist these last couple weeks because, you know, I spend my time giving advice to others, but I could use a little advice myself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I'll tell you what, when you're already stressed or anxious, the last thing you want to do is battle traffic and sit in a waiting room and get your parking validated. I'm sorry, is that just an LA thing? You don't need to add all that. You can just sit in the comfort of your own home or a chair you like outside and you can talk to someone from BetterHelp. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time. No additional charge and it doesn't hurt their feelings. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Eliza today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Eliza. I'm busy. And this time of year gets even busier. I've had my baby. I'm back to work. I'm at meetings. I'm on tour. I'm running around. And I don't always have time to sit down for a meal with my family. Sometimes I get home from set so late and I just need to eat something nutritious and go to bed. And that's why I like Factors fresh, never frozen meals because they're dietitian approved and they're ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy I am, and I'm busy, I always have time to get a nutritious, great tasting meal. Factor has over 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. So I never get bored. I'm trying to do less meat in general and they have wonderful vegan and veggie options. I just made a vegan mushroom marsala and I made an onion risotto. Just because you're eating vegetarian doesn't mean you can't eat deliciously. It had roasted garlic green beans. It was scrumptious. Head to factormeals.com slash Eliza50 and use code Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Eliza50 at factormeals.com slash Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Well, it's finally happening. The weather is finally getting warmer. So it's time to say goodbye to the jackets and cozy sweaters we've been hibernating in all winter. And it's time to say hello, bonjour, to shorts and t-shirts. And if you've been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, Quince is for you. I talk about Quince a lot because I really believe in a sustainable capsule wardrobe. 
And there's no reason you can't have a sustainable, timeless wardrobe for every season. And Quince has got you covered with premium linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable, silk tops, hello. And the best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Dressing well shouldn't break the bank. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Look well. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Eliza for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza. Hi, Eliza Baby. I'm so Gieski, Hidden Hot Scotty, Tino Chino Baby, and Girl Power Team, except not Rizzoli and Isles. Thank you for your advice on hosting a housewarming. People are so giving to us and it really fill our house with love. Now, the issue. New renter has moved into the house behind me. It's two girls who have made pretty bad decisions consistently. For example, trying to drive out of their driveway with two feet of snow without shoveling, then inviting every dude they know over to tow them out when they inevitably get stuck and screw up our shared driveway. The real problem is they leave their giant trash can by the road. I mean, they never bring it in. They walk their trash out to it every time. The wind blows their trash over and into my yard, and they don't even offer to pick it up. This has happened three times. It's embarrassing when people come over to my house just to watch trash billow by the windows like a post-apocalyptic wasteland. After spending a year renovating my house myself, this crap is really disappointing. I just want to relax and enjoy my house. As I type this, a disposable tablecloth is flowing in the wind stuck to my fence. They're new, they're renters. Help me not be an asshole, Christine. Christine, that's so tough because I actually have a neighbor who also has a trash issue. <laughs> I think the house is just owned by like six cats and a 17-year-old because their trash cans are always overflowing onto the streets and the crows think that they've hit the jackpot. Every time I walk by, there's like five crows just pecking at an old plastic bag filled with Dorito sludge. And they're like, oh, my ships come in. <laughs> Can you, is there some sort of like litter complaint? Like, is there like a city compliance? Emily, I feel like you would know this. I, well, Mom, you would know this. Well, you have to, you have to see if first if there's a homeowner's association and there's rules. Yeah. That would be the first step. And then sometimes with them, you have to prove it and this, that, and the other thing. And as Eliza said, is there a city compliance thing? But that's the first step because you don't want to have the one-on-one altercation because it's really kind of not your responsibility. Also- The second part is you call the owner of the house. Yeah, call the owner of the house. Because he's pl- responsible. Or she. Or she. But right. it, it, the tough thing is, how old are the girls? I- I think she said 23. 23. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. The house. I don't know if we got their age. At 23, I had my own apartment. I had a real job. I was, you know, doing everything on my own. And I know everyone listening will be like, when I was 23, I was taking care of both of my parents. There are things you just don't know. Like they actually probably don't know to take in the trash. There are things that you learn from like owning a home. The hard way, like you need a toolkit. You should have scotch tape. Like here's when trash comes. There's just certain things that young girls, I hate to say it, just don't know. Um, And it's like, you don't want to be responsible for educating them, but there is a bit of a blind spot there. So it's my trash day today or tomorrow morning. And I didn't put my trash out last week because the week before I left my can out too long because I was in meetings all day. So I didn't pull it in. So my neighbor in the night, or in the like 6 a.m., I heard it, pulled it up around in front of my house to the side of my house. And I was so ashamed that I didn't put my trash out last week because I didn't want to put it out and then not bring it in in a timely fashion. Yeah, but you're you're a different breed. Well, you know what? What you can do is very non non-judgmentally go over there or invite the girls over for tea or whatever, a glass of wine, and say, look, I know you're new at this, but I need to explain to you I just paid for this house. I know you're just renting, but you're treating my house like trash because you probably don't know this and say it in the nicest way you can. But when you put out trash, you know, explain what happens and how it blows over and say, look at this, this uh, tablecloth. That's yours against my fence. How do you think that makes me feel? I feel like I have toddlers living next door to me and it can't be my job to clean up after you. I think you can understand that, right? You know, say it as nicely as possible. 
And then if they get an agreement, you know, it, maybe you didn't have to do this at your home. I understand that maybe your parents did it, but now you're in the adult world. So I'm asking you, you're trashing my neighborhood. Yeah, I think because you're like, I don't want to have a confrontation. I think sometimes as women, anything beyond apologizing and hiding is seen as confrontational. You can just do it from the highest line and be like, hey, you got, hey girls, I, you know, I, I just want to, you know, like there's trash in my yard. Like, is there something we can do about like coming, you know, and they'll, They'll make a joke out of it. They'll probably be like, wow, she was such a bitch. But all you can do is control the way that you come across. And then if they still don't want to hear it, you know, maybe their parents pay their rent. Maybe they've never lived in a neighborhood before. Maybe they pay their own rent and they're like, we have the right to do this. Then you can escalate it. But just know that you're not the bitch. Do you think it's too passive aggressive to grab that tablecloth, go knock on their door and say, hey, I found this in my yard. I think it belongs to you. I'm returning it. Here you go. No, because that'll make (laughs) you feel old and ugly. What you do is you bag up all the trash. You get in a high-powered vehicle and you T-shirt rocket launch it right into (laughs) their window. And then you take that Kathy Bates line from Fry Green Tomatoes. I'm like, I'm older and I have more insurance. Bitches. Hard Z. And then you TP the house and be like, COVID's over. I can waste it. Yeah, but no, that's funny. No, mom, that's the advice. Next question. (laughs) Hello, all pod people. I, female, 31, chemist. None of that too important, but I love the way Emily reads that part out. I'm expecting my first baby this summer. I have a million questions about being a mom, but really want help with one in particular. My husband and I decided we don't want- Just use the left breast (laughs) if you want them to be good at math. My husband and I decided we don't want people around our newborn if they are not vaccinated. It's not a problem with any of our family, but we have one set of neighbors that has twins, 18 months, and a seven-year-old. Based on everything I know about this mom, I'm 99% sure her kids aren't vaccinated, not just for COVID, but for anything. This couple has been very kind and supportive throughout everything we've gone through trying to have a baby, so I know they will want to be that way afterwards. When the time comes, how do I kindly but firmly explain our boundaries without sounding high and mighty? At the end of the day, I just want my baby girl safe. Thanks so much, Uh Sarah. P.S. Bought a tiny party goblin shirt from your last show I saw and can't wait for her to wear it. I love that. Um, The COVID vaccine thing, I think we've all come out the other end. I still think people should get that vaccine just like you should get a flu vaccine, but I know that really upsets people, whatever. You will see once you have this baby that you have no problem asserting your boundaries. You will see before you have the baby, you're like, what if I, things will come out of your mouth and your body will move in ways. You're like, oh my God, I didn't realize I just put myself in front of a backing up Mack truck to protect her. I don't think you need to worry about it, but I also don't think you need to worry about how you come across. And I think people like that are probably very used to other people saying, hey, we don't, this is how we live. And they'll say, oh, okay, great. You know, you want to not vaccinate your kid. You want to talk about bodily autonomy and bodily freedom and live and let live. You then for sure have to be okay with the fact that other people vaccinate their kids and don't want to be around yours. It's kind of like vegetarians are very used to being like, I'll just eat this watercress because I know there's nothing on the menu. I'm sure they're very used to that. But all you simply say is we're waiting until she has all of her vaccines to be around people. And then once she, first of all, they're not, no one's like dying to see the baby. Like they have their own kids. And then when she has all of them, what is that at like two? When do you get like all of like rubella and measles and all the normal things that help you function? Uh, Well, at least one, if not two. I'm not sure of those times. But if you're talking about that person being anti-vax, as long as your kid is vaccinated, she's not going to get mumps, measles, So you have have some time because there's a series of vaccinations that you go for and your pediatrician tells you. So that's your excuse right off the bat. And then eventually nobody really wants to hold a baby over a year old. So you'll be fine. (laughs) They they have too much free will. Too squirmy. Yeah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And you can just simply say like, that's actually all you have to say. Yeah, it's your kid that gets vaccinated and she- that's it. We're waiting for her to get all of her vaccines before we have strangers coming over. End of story. And that's nice that they were helpful. But, but know, nobody helps like, oh, I'm going to send you these, this kid's clothes and hopefully I'll get to touch that baby. This is a trade-off. You know, I want to just add a little tidbit that I learned the other day. You know, when smallpox was eradicated, like the last person on earth that had smallpox died like, I don't remember now, 20 years ago, something like that. But I learned that George Washington vaccinated his troops against smallpox because he knew that soldiers died from smallpox and he it was okay if the British got it, but he didn't want to lose any men to smallpox. That's the name of the episode. It's okay if the British got it. <laughs> Kick it. 
Okay, we have a follow-up. Do you remember there was a a woman? Right, if this is about the furniture and no. the, if this is about the girl that left the instruments the no. again. The piano. No. Okay. The young woman, is this about the secret family people no. again? Because it's enough. All no, right. it was a young woman who was in a relationship with a guy and they were like high school sweethearts. And she's like, yes. I love him, but he's worthless. But he's the best, but I'm outgrowing him. But he's, remember, yes. he, she- And I gave she, like red hot advice. So she that says- was, like, yeah, it was really good. Hey, IA crew, just want to say thank you for your advice. I'm truly grateful for it. Last week, almost immediately after listening to the episode you featured my question on, I ended things with my boyfriend. Now that we're over, I'm realizing how much I put up with and let slide over the years and how unhappy I was for so long. I feel very good about the decision I made, and many people in my life have noticed a change about me as well. At work the next day after ending things, four separate coworkers told me that I was glowing. I feel like a weight is off my shoulders. Thank you, Eliza, for helping me remember my worth, and I'm now working on defining what I want for my own life and getting to know and love myself better without relying on someone to make me feel loved. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you next time you're in Boise, sincerely and no longer anonymous, Hannah. Anna's out. She's like, look me up. <laughs> Check out my stats. Well, Anna, that's great. Hannah. And I really always... Ha- what? Hannah. Did you say Anna? I'm going to call... Ha- I like Anna. Ha- you know, but she, her name's Hannah. <laughs> okay. <fine. laughs> Hannah, that's great. And you know what? One thing I know about Boise, a lot of hot dudes out there fishing. So get your hands on one of them. There's a lot of men. They're always doing outdoorsy stuff and going to... Blue Lives Matter. Imagine the change that that this person's made in their life that four different coworkers were like, oh my God, you look happy and well. What a weight. You know, it makes me feel really good on our, in our little pod village when it's not a, it's not the validation of like, I took your advice. You're all knowing. It's just knowing that like someone was helped by a very obvious fact stated. So that's awesome. Continue to glow, continue to grow. Uh, That should be our thing. Continue to glow and grow. We're the, we're glowing. You're, you glow, girl. Ugh. Ugh. I think how I can make this podcast more commercial to reach. We need we need more dumb people. I have too many smart listeners. We need dumb people who say things like, you glow, girl. And all these chemists and masters and grad students. Yeah, set it down. Pick up a martini and start talking about glowing. I think that's great. And it's like a new, it's a new you. It's a whole new you, Hannah. You were Anna. Now you're Hannah. <laughs> Hello, fur one, fur two, Emily and Eliza, the lover, the loved, and the low-key barking book biter. I'm Claire. She is a book biter. That sounds like a German last name. <laughs> book biter. book biter. Climb the rope. I'm Claire, 25, female. I'm writing this late at night. I can't put this off another night. Eliza, how do you deal with emotions so well? How were they handled in your home growing up? And how do you handle them in your own home? I was left alone with my feelings a lot. I was a loner kid, now post-COVID pre-Armageddon loner adult. I recently relocated. I have friends at work, but not outside of work yet. My mother was my biggest cheerleader in life. She died unexpectedly in October. My father was diagnosed with brain cancer in February and died a month later. I was raised with one older brother with chronic ick tendencies and no extended family. My sadness is suffocating. My childhood habits won't let me let it out. What do I do? P.S. Waiting day by day for this fall tour announcement. Sorry, you in Denver last February. Can't wait for this fire action to commence. Oh, wow. Well, I first of all, not to make it about me, but by the time you listen to this, I think it will have been announced. So <laughs> ready those fingers. My mom wants to know what ick tendencies are. I, Emily, do you want to describe it? Because I, I can. I assume it's just a real gross out incel type of brother that that's not who she's going to yeah, turn like to for any like emotional like- support. He probably like says things that make her uncomfortable. He probably says like creepy things about women. Yeah. He probably he probably listen, watch a lot of porn. Probably watch a lot of porn. Just like makes you uncomfortable. Like you just He's a every, video guy. Yeah, video whatever. game guy. Um he just makes you uncomfortable for whatever reason. Could be anything. So you're asking how to manage my So this person was left alone with their feelings a lot. They I think they don't have a way to kind of let those emotions out. They've Dealt, they've been dealt two massive tragedies and I think are kind of in a yeah. stasis of not knowing how to deal with that. And you seem like someone that has like a real handle on, you know, pretty emotionally healthy. Oh man, you should have seen me <laughs> 10 minutes before this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, the, again, the most minor inconvenience. And I was like, we have to set everything on fire and I'm moving. You know, it's hard to control your own thoughts mm-hmm. when they start to overwhelm you. And it's, I say kudos to you if you can do that at this time. And I don't think you can. 
And the reality is it's easy for Eliza or me to say, control your own thoughts, sit down and take a break and then tell yourself how wonderful you are and how great things are. But the reality of that is you probably should see a therapist for a couple of sessions to get your head straight because it's too easy for us to say, yeah, control your thoughts, think positive things. You had a lot of, a lot of strikeouts there. And you can't do it by yourself. It really, I hate to say it takes a village, but it really does. And you're not interacting with that village. People are social creatures. And I think we're seeing now in society, a lot of people feeling isolated, brought on in part by COVID, but in general, you know, with the appeal of the internet and you can have this different life on the internet and people are just retreating more and more. And the world is, feels like a very scary place. And you have friends at work. I think a step might be, asking a friend out, hmm. making a group thing. So it doesn't have to be just to one person like, hey guys, there's trivia at this bar. Do we want to go? You know, put it out there because everybody wants to be included. Everybody wants to be asked to do something. True. And if they all say no, you'll know it's you. But you know, when you're at the meter maid break room, be like, hey guys, after we take these quarters, do you want to all go get quesadillas? But there's another thing in there, I think. No, it's just about quesadillas. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I, I, what I mean is you may not be yeah. up enough to, uh, for them to want to have you as part of the group. They it, don't want to hear all your problems. Right. Well, that's the other thing. Make sure that you're not getting people involved in your life just so you can, and I don't think vent. you are, just so you can vent or have a sounding board. But what I was saying earlier was that people are social creatures and it is for your mental health. It's true. prove that people live longer when they're active and when they're involved in a community. Maybe it's volunteering. Maybe it's just giving of yourself selflessly for something that really has nothing to do with you. Uh, maybe it's taking up some sort of exercise. I know that I mentally feel better when I can just get out, even if it's for 20 minutes, it's not right. even about like losing weight or anything. Get those endorphins going. Endorphins, a hobby. When's the last time you did something that just really made you feel good besides having an anonymous Instagram where you write mean things to me in my comment section? When's, <laughs> ask yourself that because I bet it's been a while. When you're dealing with, with, illness and death and focusing so much on other people, can you take a break? Can you go for a spa day? Can you go for a vacation? Can you just take yourself for a fun coffee? Can you buy something? Or would you even, even a walk, a, even a, a power walk. walk just to get your endorphins Can you up? take some mushrooms? Like <laughs> get to a place where you're feeling good and you're glowing like the girl in the last question and people will become attracted to that. Um, but yeah, also, no one wants to go have a drink with you and hear you lament about- Right, and I don't you think you are. Through. No one wants to hear that. Uh, I, what I also look, I have not gone through what you've gone through, but if there's one thing I've learned from being in this, like just gorilla obstacle course of an industry, it's that I hate to sound trite, but like, I don't even want to say this too shall pass moment to moment. These things are constantly ebbing and flowing. And so I've gotten to a place now where when I do feel overwhelmed or I see these three people got that thing that I should have had, I just recognize you feel really bad right now but in an hour you won't. And rather than call people and get angry and beat myself up, I just kind of let it move through me. And then every once in a while it builds up so much and you just go angry. But just remember for every up there is a down. So don't stay down for too long because then it makes it hard to get back up. And then your up seems so huge when so it's really huge. still down. So that's the answer. Start by talking to someone and just know that you're worthy of love and you're a fun person, I th I'm guessing. And uh, ask out those people. Hey guys. We're all going to go tip over turtles. Yeah, I'm still saying make yourself feel good before you do that because yeah, they may but not she also, be with you. Yeah, but she may not be. She may be fine. But either way, you'll see. You'll let us know. Have you tried throwing trash across your neighbor's lawn? <laughs> That'll make you feel good. When you ask someone what language they took in school, usually it's like with an eye roll. They're like, mm, French. It's like, do you speak French? No, I don't use it. I feel like a lot of us had difficulties learning a language in school. Rosetta Stone is here to change that. It's available on desktop and it can be used as an app on your phone or your tablet. Rosetta Stone are trusted experts for more than 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with an intuitive process and you can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. 
Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. That's right. You might even fool some locals into thinking you're one of them. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. I headed to Mexico City for a little vacation, and I used Rosetta Stone to brush up on my Spanish. Just a few things, a few verbs that I knew I had forgotten, and I was better. Mejor. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Ask Eliza Anything listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Eliza. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Eliza today. I do think there's something to be said for ordering something of quality and every once in a while getting a nice package in the mail with a product that you're going to own for a long time. Let me tell you about Bolin Branch's signature sheets because they're the perfect way to start upgrading your sleep, your room, the look of your room because they're designed to feel incredible for all sleepers. They are made with the finest 100% organic cotton. These sheets feel buttery soft yet super breathable and they're perfect for warmer summer months ahead. We have a house that we go to in the summer and I got all Bolin Branch sheets for the beds because we're having a lot of guests this year and I want them to feel like they're at a nice bed and breakfast that they didn't have to pay for. Bolin Branch sheets are free from toxins like synthetic pesticides, formaldehyde. I bet you didn't know that was in your sheets. And their signature sheets come in 14 versatile colors and they come in sizes from twin all the way up to California King. And Bolin Branch has a 30-night worry-free guarantee, which means you can wash, style, and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them for any reason, you can send them right back with free returns on all U.S. orders. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Go to bolinbranch.com slash Eliza for 15% off your first sheet set, plus free shipping. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com slash Eliza for 15% off. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, Liza, Emily, and AI crew, big fan of the pod. I have a question about how to handle a client at work. I work in advertising and am responsible for materials for a lot of clients my company works with. I work indirectly with them in most cases as we have sales reps that are the main point of contact, but there are a few who reach out to me directly. One in particular has become a bit too comfortable, not in a creepy way, Mm. but in a slacker kind of way, constantly pushing deadlines, asking for favors, turning in things horribly late, and then rushing me to produce, and it's really burning me out. Their rep and my supervisor have been aware of this issue for quite some time and have empathized with me and addressed the issue in conversation with the client, but nothing has really changed. I've even spoken with them directly, and they've just kind of gone, oh yeah, sorry, it's crazy, I'll try. But again, no change in the year and a half I've worked with them. I'm starting to feel at a loss. I feel like I'm talking to this person every other day about some tedious issue or correcting an error I didn't catch because I was rushed. It's so draining. We have to work with them through at least the rest of the year. How can I go about professionally managing this relationship while maintaining my sanity? would appreciate any questions, comments, concerns, threats. (laughs) I got threats. So the issue is you work for like an agency and this is the client. So this is someone who's paying you. So in a weird way, they feel entitled to be this way because they're paying you. And to a degree, that is part of your job is to withstand that client. Suck it up. You could suck it up, but I will say this. Again, you do teach people how to treat you. And I have been on both ends of this. And I only know this works because I've been, I'm a super communicative, like endless texting, email kind of talent. And I have one rep in my life, somebody who, you know, represents me to... Hollywood, who does not answer my texts, does not answer every email. And they will get back to me at the end of the day or they will set the call. And so I know that's how to talk to that person. They're not going to respond to my text, you know? And I don't think it's deliberate as much as that's just how they are. That's how they choose to do their business for their own mental health, I'm sure. So you should start doing that with this client. You need to, you know... It's tough because you can't be like, unfortunately, you had to turn this. Like, there's no repercussions, but you can handle the way that you respond. And maybe ask yourself like, okay, so it doesn't get turned in. Then you say to your supervisor, they didn't turn this in till Friday at 530. So now I won't be able to deliver this Monday. It has to be Tuesday. You are an extension of them. And that's all you can do. So if anything, take it as an opportunity to be like, I'm going to work less hard because they're turning this stuff in late. You can only do what you can only do so much. Well, they're going around the point of contact. I 
I'm dealing with this. And they're going around the no, point you of- go. You have a real job. I'm just looking at a stuffed giraffe in my daughter's nursery as I do this podcast. So go I on. Mean, okay. So this advertising person, basically the client is, instead of going through the proper channels of submitting it to this person, getting it back this day, they're going to the person they now feel a relationship with and saying, hey, I didn't get this done in time, but you can just do it real quick for me, right? We're good. You need to be looping in the the, per, the point of contact yes. every time you reply. Loop in the person that they should be and point them to that person. That person should be taking it on. You loop them in and then you say, yeah, actually, you know, you can send that along to Joe. I think you might have missed the deadline. You two can talk about how we're going to get the timeline for this project I moving love forward. That. You know, right. my manager sets my schedule. Similar to what I contact, said. Having it's them be in charge. Because that person is meant to manage your time so that you can address all the clients equally. So you need to put this off on the contact person. Absolutely right. Yes, absolutely there you right. Go. You're not the point of contact. And in fact, you shouldn't speak to that person at all at any time. And you can even say, I've been advised the way we do things here. I was super nice to you, but in reality- no, no, don't say I'm that. Under, don't say I'm, I'm su- I've been super nice to you, but in reality, I'm undermining- the point of contact. You have to go through him. Always keep me. it like, hey, in the name of transparency, just want like use jargon, like just wanting to get this all wrapped up, just wanting to make sure we're all on the same page, but always like CCing. So teaching her like, hey, this is how we're going to do it. By the way, you don't owe her anything. And like, unless you're best friends, people have this thing where just because they've been nice, they're like, we must have a rapport. Like that girl who lost her, or not lost her mind, who was really rude to me when I didn't remember her name. And I'm like, but we've never really spoken. So- is there any blood between you and this client other than they like use casual email jargon? <laughs> no, they're just thinking because you showed them like a little bit of familiarity. Oh, this is cool now. Hey, just looping in Joe to make sure we're all on the same page. Yep. Let me know. Everything is super, hey, just getting this done. Great. Yeah. See you never. And now what might happen is they they talk to your boss or your boss says, look, uh, this is a big fish. You have to address them when they email you. And that that is what it is if that's the case. Mm-hmm. I have found most of the time I'm worried about like, oh, I need to please this client. And I go to my boss and he's like, I mean, no, they shouldn't be doing it this way. Well, that's fine. And I'm like, oh, okay, good. Like you're taking on this stress that you might not need to deal with. Yeah, right. you don't need to deal with that. You're doing your job and you can only do it as well as they allow you by not giving you the things you need. That's it. Ask your boss and then it's not just the start protocol. setting up those boundaries. It's not the protocol of this company. I've been doing this for you, but I'm not allowed to do it. It has to go through my boss. That's it. You don't want to be the person that the client fires because of you. Right. You don't want to be there. That's no. It. Hi, Eliza, Emily, Get gang. Hi, Liza, Emily, gang. Longtime fan, but I'm still working my way through all the old pods for the first time. I so love the sage wisdom you offer in your book. Stand up and hear and can't wait to listen to the new episode each week on my way into work. I, 27 female, am a notorious people pleaser with a pretty severe case of Minnesota nice-itis. I'm getting married in August and I'm looking for some creative ways to include my stepdad in the proceedings. For background, he and my mom have been married for almost 20 years and I've known him basically my whole life. We've had a pretty close relationship throughout my life and it doesn't feel right for him to just be a guest at the wedding, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't feel right for him to walk me down the aisle with my dad either. He'll be in a tux with the guys, but that doesn't feel like enough. Not to mention my mom keeps reminding me he wasn't involved in my brother's weddings at all, which is adding pressure. So I guess I'm wondering if there was anything you did to include your step-parents in your wedding. Scoured Pinterest, but I'm coming up short with most ideas being to include him on the invites in a first dance or in the processional itself. I want to feel special, but I don't want to take away from the parts that I always envisioned with just my dad, i.e. aisle, first dance. Any ideas on other ways I could include him? Help. Thanks so much, Sam. Well, yeah, there's no... You know what's not getting a lot of pins is the like stepdad inclusion Pinterest board. (laughs) I... It's funny, as you're saying that, I look at my mom and she goes, Randy, as if I would be thinking of any other stepfather I have. My stepdad, Randy, has also been in my life for, I don't know how long you guys have been married, 20? We're we're married 25 years. 25 years. So he came into my life when I was like around 14 um, and was like a father to me. I mean, I do have a father who you've all met, but uh, Randy's great and I love him. And I actually also thought about that when I got married because there are things that you do want to do with your dad. I have this, I have a feeling your stepdad, first of all, fully understands that you might want to be walked down the aisle by your mom and your dad. My parents are very, very divorced, but in my in a traditional mind, I was like, I want that versus two parents flanking you on each side, which you could do, by the way. Dads are usually okay with, yeah, I'll just sit here 
in a tuxedo and whatever. You can, you said something about the dance. I did a first dance with my dad and I also did a dance with, by the way, you're not doing the whole song usually. I also danced with you at some point, but I did a dance with Randy and we have a song, Precious, who sings Precious Friend? Like Arlo Guthrie Pete or something. Or, or Arlo Guthrie. It's a song that he always liked and I just knew that. So it's a song called Precious Friend. And in a way, he is a precious friend to me in addition to being my stepdad. So after I danced with my father, they asked Randy to come to the dance floor and we had a dance together. Your stepdad will understand that your dad is your dad. And the point is you're including him and you make it a little special. You might say something in a wedding speech. You also might pull him aside to have some kind words with him, to thank him for being a part of your life. You could write him a beautiful note. You know, it's nice to publicly acknowledge, but what he would like to know is that any of this time together mattered. So those would be my suggestions because beyond that, there's really no, it's about you and your husband. So there's not a lot of time. It's not like your bar mitzvah speech where you're like, I'm lighting a candle for my aunt Susan who was always there for me. So something tells me you didn't have a bar mitzvah, but uh, (laughs) that's the answer. There's not a ton of time to acknowledge other people anyway in the wedding, but I would do that. I think the dance is a nice thing. It's for the DJ to be like, and now we'd like to call Wyatt to the dance floor. (laughs) So who you're saying walks her down the aisle, her biological mother and father. That's what I chose because it just felt traditional, but you could have two parents on each arm. You know, you could have your stepdad walk you halfway and your dad walk you the rest of the way. Or your stepdad could walk down your grandmother or whoever else is. Oh, yeah. You know, you can honor them by walking, letting them walk down the aisle if in fact they want to. Yeah. You know, it's really about making each person feel okay about their inclusion. I think writing a nice letter about like what a great life you've had together and just giving it to them quietly. To I think the that's stepdad. Nice. Yeah, to the stepdad. Yeah. I think that's sweet. But I like the dance. That's that's good. Or you just make sure he catches that bouquet. <laughs> is the stepdad remarried? We don't know. To the mom. I'm sorry. I meant the dad. Is he remarried? Oh yeah. You don't want to make someone feel super left out. I so don't they know. right. But those it, are the answers. At the end of the day, it's whatever everybody in your heart feels that they got their due. Yeah. Or give him a dance solo. <laughs> or he just gets up by himself and dances. Yeah, and he does <laughs> Saturday Night Fever by himself. The whole thing. He does the entire Rihanna halftime dance by himself. Come on, weird boy. Kick it. <laughs> hey, pod fam. Longtime lover of the pod. Now I always look forward to Wednesdays to hear the fresh hot updates. Emily's cat woes and your advice on all things life related. I am 31 female and have my PhD in weed science. Not the cool kind of weed like Eliza's brother, but the kind that helps farmers control weeds and pests in their crop fields. I progressed in my career by successfully presenting complex data and ideas to audiences ranging from local farmers to high-level execs at universities and my company. I've learned how to, to not- high-level farmers. <laughs> I've learned how to not talk at my audience, but bring them along for the ride of my presentation and receive very positive feedback on my presentation style. Maybe like telling a joke on stage. Anyway, my problem is I freak the F out before any big presentation. Like my hands start sweating and shaking, heart is racing. I feel like I can die as I'm walking up to a stage to present. Sometimes I feel like I'm talking too fast to get the nerves out, get my words mixed up, and just feel super flustered. My question is this, have you ever felt this way before going on stage? Do you have any tips or tools that you use to deliver your stories? Do you, or have you had a coach? Your confidence on the pod and on stage is something I'm working towards, but not sure how to get out of my own way on this one. Thanks so much. Kara, your number one weedy fan in Indiana. And then Kara shared a picture with us that I'm gonna forward to you. Here's a pic of me with a pig weed to show how big weeds can get in soybean fields if they aren't managed properly. And then it's a woman next to a giant, giant weed. Honestly, it just looks like a really sad, grinchy Christmas tree. But it is a giant weed. Okay, well, we believed you. She's like, no, here's proof. This is the funniest part of the act. Uh, No, I've never had a coach. Keep in mind... It's not that you're comparing yourself but to me, but I've been doing stand-up for almost 20 years. So give yourself a break for not like having it down packed. Um, the one thing I always remind myself, sometimes I'm like, oh no, this gig's gonna suck. Like what if I eat shit? And then I always remind myself like, you have never done that. Why would it start now? Like why would tonight be the night that you just become a bad comic? You, the good thing about public speaking is you get better and better at it. So always remind yourself, don't let that little voice get you. Be like, hey, 
You've always done well speaking about weeds publicly. Why would tonight be any different? Why would you be bad tonight? The answer is it's not going to happen. And remember, the reason you're invited to speak is because you're the expert. People want to hear you. People want to hear you. And it's okay if you're not funny. And that's great that you go the extra mile. And they're probably so appreciative because you can only listen to seminars about Roundup for so long. So remember that you're invited there because people want to hear you. You didn't push your way in. You didn't pay your way in. Um, And it just takes practice. You know, if you could hear yourself on your last speech if someone recorded it, you can listen to yourself and say, oh, I didn't sound confident or I, you know, look like I was reading it or I didn't have any eye contact or any of those things that make you a good speaker. I didn't pause. I didn't wait for the audience to listen to what I said or to register no, I don't what either. I said. I don't do that. You, but you don't have to do that. That's not good. Well, or you yeah. could just have your mom listen to all your speeches and then and give you feedback <laughs> at the end, whether you want it or not. <laughs> But that's the answer. Give yourself a break and just know that you were asked there because you have the information and whatever you're doing is great. And of course you get nervous. It's a very normal thing to be nervous about. I remember one time I was doing stand-up on The Late Show and it was years ago. And I remember I was nervous because a TV set is a nerve wracking thing. And I think they had me come out and I don't remember if it was like an audio issue or they had me come out and say hi, but like you got to dip your, almost like seeing the crowd first took some of the scare out of it. Like it's not going to be a room full of like bloodthirsty alligators. And then I got to come out a second time. So sometimes if there's a mistake or sometimes you can hope that someone in the audience does something dumb so you can all be like, well, we're on the, we're on the safe side. We didn't do something dumb. Anyway, uh, yeah, you're fine. But I got no tricks for you. Take let a it, breath. Take a breath and also let it wash over you. Because the second you walk out there, you realize nothing to fear but fear itself. And then they always say to imagine the audience naked. I don't know why, but they say that it makes you feel like you're. I don't. I don't don't think anyone's actually ever done that, and it's like always like on a sitcom. Like, and then I did, and then it turns out they were all looking at me, hoping I was naked. There's that. that. (laughs) Dear Eliza, Emily, Baby Snow, Peach Tree Frog, and Spooky Husky, I have a question that I feel really needs a non-invested party's opinion. I'm a female, 28, new wife, new mom, also a teacher. My maid of honor in my wedding ended up being someone who I picked because my first choice just had way too much going on in her own life to handle it at the time. <laughs> after she, I met her at a bus stop. <laughs> after second choice. After she was asked to be my maid of honor, we found out I was pregnant. This friend was stoked. At the time she lived out of state and was supposed to be there at least three more years, suddenly she not only moved back, but moved to my city and got a job at my school. Since I had my baby, I get this gut instinct to keep her as far away as possible from this friend. Whenever she sees her, she immediately thinks she can take her from me. As soon as she does, my daughter screams. This isn't something she does with everyone, just this person. I've tried letting the space form and just not responding to messages, not putting in the effort. Now she just shows up at my classroom door at random. She recently tried to invite herself on a family-only outing. This is the third time she's done it and been told, no, she's not welcome. I don't want her around my child and I can't explain why, but my question is, do I just come right out and tell her or just keep hoping she picks up on the distance? We are entering our final eight weeks of school and she keeps talking about all her, quote, auntie days this summer that she's never been told she will have. So I need to get it fixed pronto. Please help. Cut her off immediately. This is not going to help. She's a stalker. She wants that baby. Maybe she can't have a child. I don't know what her situation is, but you're not going to fix it. I mean, it's there's something in your gut. I don't, she doesn't even have to be a bad person with a bad agenda, but the fact that it's in your gut, it's making you uncomfortable. I, I'm trying to think of the right way to, because she's asking, she's not saying that she's doubting herself. She's saying, what do I do? This was your original first best. Uh, no, this is the second one. This is the second one? I thought it was the first one that. But wait. That- this is a second choice. So you must have been close with this girl, right? At some point, you must have known her for a time before she became your second maid of honor, right? Is there something about your friendship in the past? Like you're speaking about her as if you don't really know her. Did you say that's a second choice? I thought the first yeah, she's, choice moved back I after ass- the wedding. Emily, I you need to be this, better. This wacko was the second choice maid of honor. Yeah, so here you go. You summoned this demon from a- another state, from like the nether friends region. But I'm saying like, this is someone who's your maid of honor. So you must have had a relationship with this person and close enough that you asked them to do this. So I guess my question is, why weren't you close before? So let's, and are you, 
something's weird about that because the way you're speaking about her makes it feel like you barely know her. It, so there's something- she thinks she thinks she's more important since she was your maid of honor. She was your maid of honor, but you asked her to be your maid of honor. Did she did a switch flip or was it because she lived far away and you're like, well, we went to college together and we talk all the time. Or is it now that in person, like, was it you met forever ago and you stayed close, but you didn't see each other. And now she's kind of different since you've had a baby. It could be this person has no friends. Has no it baby, could be she, has no husband probably. Okay. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't sound very busy because we don't want to vilify, you know, it's not about women without kids or babies or creepy. Uh, but th- it doesn't sound like she's got a lot going on. It is odd. Was she a teacher before? You know, I know the feeling when you have a friend that's just like, that invites themselves to stuff. I do have a friend like that and I'm always like, LOL. And then I just never follow up. So it's not about ignoring them, but it's about treating it like, hey, I thought you were joking. But you are under no obligation to do these things. And you can just simply say like, oh, we're not doing things where she's out with people alone. We're busy. You can just be like, we're busy. We can't do that. Just put, just continue to put it off. But you might, because what you don't want to do is say this to her. And she's like, oh my God, I just, I thought we were friends. You asked me to be your maid of honor and we worked together. And, you know, you don't want to make her, you don't want to vilify this poor girl who might just have like weird social boundary issues. I think what's making you nervous is that she's so excited and like no one who isn't your mother (laughs) is like that excited about a baby. There's something else though. There's definitely something, something else. else is going on. And I'm, I, now I'm kind of like, why did you have this woman be your maid of honor? And was she never like this before? Or were you just so far away that you never noticed? This woman's a teacher. So she gets along with kids, but your child is, cries when she's with her. Your child's picking up some vibrations from something, you. Yeah, there's a vibration. This, there's that too. Yeah. But you, there's no problem in just being like, we're not, you know, there's no auntie day. Like we're not sending her out with people. Oh, definitely not that. The fact that she moved, it's a little weird. I need to know more. Can you give us more context? What, does this person have a name or is this anonymous? It's anonymous. I would love an update. What I need to know from you is, how was this person in your life before? How, what kind of close were you that you asked her to be your maid of honor? When was the last time you had seen her? Can I get her Facebook page? <laughs> this warrants some digging. Something's going on. I don't think she's a bad person, but something's going on with yeah. you and with her. And I wouldn't leave her alone with your baby. No, don't leave her alone with the baby. Because you don't know. Uh, Top of the cob. It's the top of the cob. We're doing it right every day. You just take a bite. Top of the cob. My top of the cob is, as we all know, I had nails. I had my nails done in Australia over two months ago. And I loved it. It was like a very Korean nail art vibe. I had gems on my nails. And they the craftsmanship... It just lasted for so long. You never see manicures that last this long. And I wanted to recreate that. So I went online. I was like, I'm going to go to K-Town and I'm going to get these nails done here in LA. And I found this nail salon called Hannah Nail. And it's exactly what you want from a nail salon. It's like above a Korean restaurant in a tiny uh, building. Everything on that floor was like a Korean accounting office. And then this woman, Hannah, who has her own nail studio. There's like three people working there. She gave me a delicious cup of coffee and she was very patient with me as I picked out each color and designed my own thing. And I'm in love with the nails. You can see them on my Instagram. I got little gems. Everything's baked on beautifully. And I'm just so happy with them because I've never been a nail person. So I guess my top of the cob is when you seek to replicate something and you find a person or a small business that knocks it out of the park versus someone who gives you a shitty manicure and you overtipped and now you're fucked. It's just so rare, especially in LA, to like find something that's executed well and you like the person and you feel good for helping us. Like, I'm just happy. Like, I just wish I had more feelings like this where <laughs> I sought out a thing and it was just as good as the first time. So Hannah Nail in Koreatown, you have my business and I'm even taking my mother there because she has a big party coming up and the theme is ancient Egypt and she's going to get Egyptian themed nails with like a scarab and an ankh and an eye. So I'm taking her to the cool Korean nail art place. That's fine. I know, I'm so excited. But you are paying oh, yeah. for yourself. But I'm paying. But I will take you. But she'll take me. She's not charging me for the Uber. <laughs> What's your top of the cob? Mom. My top of the cob is uh, this week I came to visit both Ben and Eliza. So I went to Sacramento first and on my first morning at my son Ben's house, 
he made me breakfast and it was waiting when I had a sliced grapefruit. He had English muffins out and he toasted it, butter, and he had the egg out, everything that he knew I liked. He had it all out there. It was great. I didn't buy you any English muffins. I I know. I know. That was my bottom of the cup. That was your bottom of the cup? Well, hold on. Well, tell us your bottoms that you're here. My bottom of the cob is every time I come visit you, you have the same salt and, sto- salt and stone body scrub in the shower, but the applicator part doesn't work. And <laughs> it's not fixed from three months ago when I was here Because no one uses time. that shower. But it's me. What about oh, me? It's a high-end soap and the thing <laughs> and cracked at the top. Well, you can just pour it yes, like an that's ape. what I'm doing. Okay. Emily, what's your top of the cob? Okay, we'll do we'll do four tops today. Okay, fan from Fran. Yeah. Oh, the four tops. <laughs> that feeling you get Best when fan. after being on a hot sandy beach and in a salty ocean all day, <gasps> you are in the shower. From lathering your body from head to toe, rinsing it clean and then drying off with a soft fluffy towel. The tactile sensations cause me to verbally acknowledge them, if only to myself, every single time. Ah. Uh... I <laughs> love that. And that is the epitome oh, of yeah. a top of the cob. Oh, yeah. Like that feeling... And I actually was thinking about it this morning, that feeling of when you're even a little sunburned, but you get to come in. Oh, yeah. I had a friend who would like reminisce about the air conditioning in his grandma's apartment when they would go to the beach in Miami and like coming back and being in a clean bed. Oh, yeah. You feel like so healthy, even if all you did was drink and get a sunburn, (laughs) coming in and washing off all the sun. Remove the remains of the day. Remains of the day. Wash them away with salt and stone body scrub. (laughs) If you can get the applicator applicator out of the bottle. What's your top of the cob? My top is the uh, actually the inverse of uh, Ronnie's. Mine is I decided I'm always, my parents are always feeding me. They're always like, we're going to make a salmon. You want to come over? And I'm like, yes, please. So I invited them out and I looked up and I found a cool restaurant on Google uh, far away from where they drive. They like don't drive outside of this couple mile radius. Went to this like nice mozzarella bar. Got a bit. I took Ooh. them to lunch, a big charcuterie platter, nice drinks. And they were like, oh, that was so fun. We never go anywhere. And I was wow. like, yeah. And it just it felt good to do that. that. Also, oh, nice. you eat a lot of salmon. Because <laughs> that's how my parents lure me into coming over because I don't cook it for myself. So they say, hey, we yeah, got but- salmon. I say, I'll be there. <laughs> Like no, walk good. over on all fours. But that's so special. It is special. For nice. Them. It was great. Your sweet I'm parents. proud of you, Emily. <laughs> it was I a nice day. I liked her. <laughs> we always liked Emily. All right, you already did your bottom of the cob. Yes, I did. <laughs> uh, my bottom of the cob is when you're eating something and you don't get that sensation. Like you're not, it's not super gratifying. You don't know if you like it, which the answer is you don't like it, but you keep eating more, hoping it will get better. And then you're full <laughs> off something that you kind of didn't like, but right. you were just hungry. Right. And you kept like, like I had a hamburger at a cookout recently that wasn't salted enough and it had onions and it had all the toppings and it had cheese. And I kept eating it because chemically, I'm like, these are the things that I like. Where's the salt? And I kept eating it. Right. You can't accumulate salt. It's either there or not. I hate that feeling of being full and you wasted it. Yeah. Yeah. I've had that. Don't like it. <laughs> Don't like it. Had it at a restaurant in, in Naples called Jimmy P's. Yeah. Oh, put them on blast. The, put them on blast. Yeah. It, I don't know what that means. Put them on blast. That's okay. You did it. Okay. Anyway, they're famous for their steaks because they it's not just prime, but it's like the top of the prime. But they also have burgers. So I ordered a burger and it was so charcoal and so uh, dry. And even though it had everything on it, I'm eating it and I'm eating it. And by the time I got to the third bite, I said, I, I'm full, but I can't eat this. I can't eat it. I can't eat it. I'm but you done. did. And Terrible. Yeah. What a disappointment. Stay with you. Bottom of the cob from a listener. Sarah Hempstead says, when people don't move over slash stop when an emergency vehicle is driving with lights and sirens on, they just Ooh. keep going as if the rule doesn't apply to them. Just move. Someone is hurt slash sick. It's crazy how few people understand basic societal rules. Like don't throw your cigarettes in the street, stuff like that. Use a blinker. Like there are people who are just raised by fucking wolves and they just show up. They're like, I have a right to be here. And you're like, who? I hope, yeah. And then you wish something bad on them and then you hope that energy doesn't come back to you. But yes. Yeah, right. What's yours, Emily? My bottom is why I would be a bad neighbor to that person. Um, Lawn maintenance, I don't get it. I don't like it. And I think it's stupid. And I think lawns are 
bad, like monoculture lawns are not good. I'm trying to grow a clover Mm -hmm. lawn, but I just, I don't care about it all. And I would let it grow. I don't care. I'm only, I just bought my, a lawnmower and I mowed my lawn because I don't want my neighbors to be upset. I'm fine with how it looks. And I'm mad that I have to be part of a society and go outside and mow my little lawn so that my neighbors aren't mad at me. Uh, first of all, I need pictures of you mowing along. I need to see what that looks like. <laughs> yeah, Second of all, really doing let's that? get that weed expert back on and ask her if we can do a lawn of weeds. Third of all, you are that neighbor with like the quote unquote, like car art and like tire art in their lawn. Oh, and like, yeah. this is a cat feeding bar. You're that person. But at least you know that. I always wondered if they knew that. I'm trying not to be. I had a neighbor growing up that he decided he didn't want to mow his little lawn anymore. So he cemented it over. There you go. And then he took his lawnmower and his, the hoe and the rake and attached them into the cement and then put an RIP tombstone in it. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. He made the newspapers for this. He his, his he had put all his lawn yeah. uh, stuff in to rest cement. in the cement. That's that's that, that guy is like, look, I fought the Germans. I can do whatever the fuck I want. It was cute though. It was really I clever. I love that. And also, lawn. you're right. We shouldn't have lawns. They are really bad for, in terms of using water. Yeah. Uh, we're not growing anything. If you, It's not like you have vegetables out there. You could also do some sort of drought tolerant scape. You sure. know, you could I'm do rocks, you could for- do a cat litter. You could have a whole, an all cat litter lawn. Yeah. And also you have to remember, no lawn is homeless. Well, that means if you have a lawn, there's an, a home attached to it. If you don't want that, get rid of the lawn. Get rid of the lawn. I am trying to grow, I'm trying to do native wildflowers because lawns as they are, are not good for pollinators. Go. So if I set up some there good go. flowers, I'll get bees and birds and stuff, but that takes time. So right now it's just half grass, half dirt and I'm trying. You'll get there. That's a huge job with the flowers because they're changing every season. Also, you're not fixing global warming, but I love that you're doing that. We should all, we don't even have a front lawn. Our house also didn't come with one, so I don't get any points, but I always love a nice rock formation or a cacti. Folks, today is Wednesday, April 19th, which means my Hard Feelings Global Tour has been announced. You can get your tickets. What? I'm excited. What? I'm doing an excited okay. mouth. I said your mouth open. Now? Are there going to be applause at this moment? Get your tickets for the uh, Eliza Hard Feelings Global Tour. We're going all over the United States, and we're also coming to you, Europe. Um, and we've got a lot of special announcements coming out for that as well. And if you can't see me, you could at least support people that I like by watching Eliza's Locals, which is on 800 Pound Gorilla now if you want to throw a couple of bucks and get the exclusive sneak peek at some of uh, LA's emerging comedic voices. I produced three episodes of comedy specials. They're beautiful. I'm proud of these comics. Uh, And they also come out on YouTube April 28th. So there's lots of comedy going on. And of course, you can always pick up your copy of my book, All Things Aside. I will be at the USC Fair of Books, not Book Fair. We hate the Book Fair. It's the Fair of Books. I'm so excited about that. I used to love going to that. When I saw the announcement that it's like you, like Judy Greer, Jennifer Garner, I I was like, yeah. People were like, Emily's going to lose it. Judy Greer's also there. I'll be on the main stage, not at the same time as those ladies. So you can see me there. And of course, you can see me do local sets before I take off on this tour. And uh, shout out to the military. I've got some special shows for you guys coming up. Details on that. TBA. And as always, remember, mom, it's like we say in the lamb business. What do we say in the lamb business? Okay, Emily, (laughs) it's like we say in the lamb business. What up? Okay. Apparently no one knows what we say in the lamb business. That's the whole joke. That's the whole bit. (laughs) That's me silent. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. 
and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle, follow your crave.